Hello and welcome to Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm McLean Baxter here with Cole Ferguson. That's me. And Holden Galatis joins the show again. What's going on, guys? Good to be back. And we are here. College football is officially, as of Thursday afternoon, two weeks away. Uh, you know, there's a couple games Thursday night, and then the big Saturday football weekend. You know, on ESPN, ABC, everywhere. It's I, I can feel it. I can feel it in the heat outside. You know, I'm back down. We're, we're back down in school. <laughs> In South Georgia, it's super hot all day. Uh, you know, the leaves are starting to change. The wind's kind of not picking up at all. Actually, it's super dry. <laughs> but uh, but college football is near, and it is here. Love it. All those feelings can only mean one thing, and that means college football is here. Walking by Paulson Stadium down here at Georgia Southern is a is just a reminder, a daily reminder that one of the best times of the year is upon us, and that is college football. So uh, so you know. We've talked about it last week, how the polls came out. You know, you got the AP poll, you got the CBS poll, the coaches' polls. They all, you know, kind of point the same way, especially in the top ten. You know, everyone pretty much has the same. You know, you got the Alabamas, the Ohio State, Florida State, USC, Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, Michigan. Um, you know, the same couple teams, just different orderings in some of them. So we were just going to kind of talk about later on. Later on the show, we're going to have Dan Wolken on, USA Today writer of college football. Talk to him about different aspects of college football, both this season and for the future. Really great interview, so stay tuned for that. But right now, we're going to talk about, you know, what our predictions are, both you know for conferences, for the you know the the playoff Final Four. And so, Cole, what what are your thoughts on um you know conference wise? You know, last year was the year of the ACC and the year of the Big Ten for sure. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about that, Cole? I think that they kind of broke through into a new generation of college football that we've kind of seen on the come up for at least the past couple of years. Recently, in uh, recent years, we've seen the SEC really be the dominant conference. Would you guys agree? You know, Alabama, Absolutely. but not only Alabama, just the rest of the teams as well. As far as depth goes, bowl games, everything, the SEC has really been kind of the face of college football. I think last year was groundbreaking for conferences like the ACC and the Big Ten to kind of, you know, prove that they're here too and that their programs are just as good and are able to hang around and compete and win championships just as much. So I think that in the upcoming seasons and this next season, I think don't disregard the SEC, but I think that teams like the Ohio States and the Florida States and the Clemsons, Penn State, Oklahoma, Michigan, Wisconsin, all these are top ten teams, all – you know, Big Ten, ACC, I think those are the conferences that are going to be dominant, I think. I think the SEC is on its way out. How long can Alabama stay dominant? How long can, you know, Florida be relevant? And, and Tennessee and other other teams that are hanging around in the top 25 here, I mean, how long can they stay up there? I mean, they've been going for years now. They've always been in the conversation. I think it's time for the Big Ten and the ACC to kind of really establish their dominance in the league. I'm right there with you, Cole. I think the big thing is between the conferences now is that a lot of conferences uh, like the Big Ten and ACC have better coaching, I think, than the SEC. Uh, You guys got obviously guys like Jim Harbaugh and uh, Urban Meyer up there at Ohio State and Jimbo Fisher down in Florida State um, and Davo Sweeney at Clemson. Like other than like uh, if you think about it in the SEC, other than uh, Nick Saban at Alabama, there really isn't someone that I would consider a top-tier head coach, honestly. I would consider them a lot of uh, maybe glorified coordinators, honestly, mm-hmm. whether they specialize in <laughs> offense or defense, as you know, up to the, as I know, dependent on the coach. But I feel like in the ACC and the, uh, Big Ten, there's guys like Harbaugh and, 
and uh, Urban Meyer, who are just master recruiters. And yeah, yeah and now with these the build the rise of these satellite camps, we're seeing them tap into more talent from around the country, and they're able to convert it into on-field success. And I think we're going to see the rise, like the rise of uh, rise of programs like Penn State and Michigan. I think I I honestly think Michigan might be a sleeper for the uh, the big uh, the the final College Four for the college football playoff this year. And you know, even in the ACC, they're tapping into more guys in like Alabama and Louisiana and Texas territory where normally those guys would be going to LSU, A&M, uh, Auburn, or Alabama. So I really do think we're seeing the rise now of Big Ten and like how SEC was the best for 10 to 12 years. I, I personally think that the Big 12 is going to be the conference to be in for the next couple years. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I'm looking at the coaches part now, and out of the top 10, top 11 actually, there's only one SEC school where there's one, two, three, four um, Big Ten schools and then – uh, two ACC and a couple Pac-12 and Big 12 scattered in there, but it is interesting how let's, let's, four years ago we were having we had a, what was it five years ago that we had a all SEC championship game between Alabama and LSU where the, you know yeah Alabama LSU Auburn all teams that are still very good you know all all three of those schools are all top 15 still, but it's just the depth is not there for the uh, SEC. We saw that last year in the bowl games where. Oklahoma just dominated Auburn in the Sugar Bowl, where you know teams other than Alabama were just getting you know swallowed up by these other conferences, especially with the Big Ten and ACC being as you know as solid and from the top from the top to the bottom, the ACC last year was the best conference all around, and um, very few would argue that, um, especially SEC fans. But let's look at this season. It's a new season. I- I would still argue that the Big Ten, the Big Ten was better, but that's just my opinion. But in the two big New Year's Six games, Holden, um, only go. one at started. The, the only to go off. Only uh, you know, <laughs> in the two head-to-head matches between the ACC and the Big Ten, in the biggest stage in college football, in the you had the Orange Bowl between Florida State and Michigan, and then you had the Fiesta Bowl out west with Ohio State and Clemson. ACC went two and zero in those games in a in a pretty big way in both of them. They they did. I can't. I'm not. T- I'm not taking away from that. And obviously, I think Clemson is an amazing team. I think Clemson's gonna. I had Clemson has a chance to be there this year again. But my my thing is, I'm ter- in terms of conference wise, it looked top to bottom. I think. Well, first of all, I don't think Ohio State should have been the fourth team. I thought it should have been Michigan personally. I still think they should have beaten Ohio State in that game, or maybe even to Penn State because you know Penn State did. Don't forget this. Penn State did win the pig uh, the Big Ten. So I think there was a I think there was a bit of a lapse of a I don't know judgment maybe in terms of the last for the fourth team to be picked for the college football playoff. But don't forget teams like Louisville, who many would argue is the third best team in the ACC, lost to LSU in their bowl game because I, I would know because I'm a huge LSU fan. And you know Lamar Jackson against the SEC team could not do anything. He looked horrible. He did not look like the Heisman winner. So yes, you got teams like Clemson, he should, Florida. He sh- what? He should he should not have been the Heisman winner. I think even you know after week five, people just you know because of what he did in the in the games against Liberty and the games against the, you know a home game against Florida State, I think it was very uh, once you know it was Lamar Jackson's the greatest player of all time. But after that, he I mean, looked hey, terrible. I, the rest of the the second half of the season, you look at Lamar Jackson's stats. He was terrible. Sean Watson should have won. That's last season. That's in the past. I'm not gonna get worked up here oh, in oh, no. August I wanna, 2017. I want to get under your skin. Let me get under your skin, please. <laughs> well, yeah, my, my, but my point was is my point in, in terms of conference is that outside of Clemson and Florida State, 
Uh, there's really, I don't think, a really credible team in the ACC, especially if you look along as of Wake Forest or NC State or something like that. I think the Big Ten is still overall, from top to bottom, their top four or five teams would be, you know, absolutely teams that could be in the college football playoffs. So that's where I was coming from with that. Well, I think, you know, Duke is a better, more put-together program and team last year and this year than, say, an Indiana or a Purdue. I mean, yeah, if you're talking about seventh or eighth teams in the division, then, yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. That's what, um, that's, that's what I'm talking well, about. If you're talking about depth between the two conferences. Well, I mean, because if, if you think about this, top the six or seven team in, you know, uh, the Big Ten would probably be someone like Michigan State or Iowa, um, and Michigan State and Iowa have been relevant the past couple of years. You know, a couple of years ago, Iowa was in a big bowl game, uh, and Michigan State was there too. They Michigan State has kind of really had a big falling off in the past year or two. And they, th- both, they both got rocked in their big bowl games. you got, you got to remember, you know, you Michigan State, again, shut out by I mean, an SEC But when was the last time Duke and was in the And then Iowa shut out by a Stanford. They, they, they went to the Peach Bowl a few years ago against Johnny Manziel when, okay. when okay. Texas A&M was still relevant. Okay, that was one. I'm, I'm still waiting for, like, that was one year they had a good year. That was, like, literally one year they stood out. And it was kind of like Iowa last year lost to an FCS school. What? In North Dakota State. Iowa last year lost at home to an FCS program. What, the one that pr- produced us Carson Wentz? Yeah. An and, and NFL starting still caliber an FCS, quarterback? Still an FCS program, though. I mean, we got, we got to look at that. You know? I mean, an FCS program that produced uh, a starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles that came in and surprised everyone, kind of like how Dak Prescott did, not to his level, but they surprised us a starting quarterback in a team in the NFC East, which is a very comp- competitive division, and he did really well. So I, I would say that North Dakota State might be an exception. I feel like a lot of those guys could play FBS football. So that's just my take Still, on it. Uh, I mean, I, I, we're all we're all cold and kind of quiet recently. About, we'll, we'll, how do you guys feel about a team like Oklahoma that was kind of ended up on the the cusp of the the final four for the college football playoffs last year and really worked the way up through the entire season? Also, a team like Washington, who we saw in the the finals. Nobody really talks about Washington that much. Nobody really talks about where Washington's going to end up on, you know, this season. Nobody's really given them the time of day. What do you guys feel about those two programs? Uh, I think I, this I, I, Holden, ahead, like uh, he he um, hinted on it early on early on the show about how this is the Big 12's coming year. I, I totally agree with that. You got Oklahoma, you got Oklahoma State, you got a new coach at Texas. Um, Kansas State's going to be relevant again. I hope you know. I hope and pray you know. Bill Snyder brings his guys back. West Virginia again, another team. TCU not a bad team again, not where they need to be with Gary Patterson and all them. But Oklahoma especially is a team that consistently dominates. And 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 mm-hmm. you know they they put points on the board. They you know keep guys out of the end zone. And if they don't, they'll score more points than them. That's that's kind of the Big 12's motto. I feel like it's just score more points. Their team. It'll be interesting this year to see them without Stoops at um. That's that's the helm. We'll talk about that later. But that's that's kind of why I don't have them. I think Baker Mayfield is going to be great. I think he's going to do everything he can to get them to the college football playoff. But Stoops has been there for what twenty years at this point, and you know he kind of be a part of the reason that program was such a powerhouse that it is. Uh, I kind of think they're going to have a little bit of a fallback year, just you know, trying to adjust to a new coach. And everything like that, but I, I I do feel bad for Baker Mayfield for that because if he had soups this one year and you know his mm-hmm. second or third year there, I definitely think you could have considered Oklahoma a top four team. ESPN what? has Michigan in their FPI for 2017 dropping down to the 16th rank on the 2017 FBIs. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, they, they lost half their defense. Drop. 
they lost half their defense last year to the draft. So, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of people saw that coming. Last year, it wasn't a fluke year for Michigan because Michigan, you know, is probably in you know, top ten programs of all time. But, mm-hmm. you know, the la- last year was definitely a strong year for Michigan. We all saw that all season, them being ranked in the top five to where it came down to them in Columbus was one of the biggest games in the past ten years. You know, with them in Ohio State, kind of the – the, the, the play-in game, if you'll – ended up, ended up being the play-in game for the right. playoff game. But for a program but. that was one game away maybe from being uh, in the, you know, the college football playoffs to now drop to 16th rank at the FPI for the start of the season, that's a pretty significant drop. Well, Steeper well, than probably most other programs on that list. When, when you look at that, I think that is due – to the fact that I I can't remember their previous head coach's name. It's leaving it's leaving me on for a second. But you know that what we saw last year, those juniors and seniors that were the, the core of that defense was basically like the last wave of the previous head coaches recruiting. You know what we're going to see this year is basically you know Harbaugh everything. You know everything about this team will have Harbaugh's name stamped on it. There will be no remnants of uh, their previous head coach. Um, you know, who he did a great job recruiting because, you know, they had a great team last year and Harbaugh did a good job working with those guys and making them a powerhouse team. But this year, I don't I agree with Michigan's probably have a little bit of a falling out because they're going to have a young team kind of like Ohio, Ohio State was this year. A lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores, guys that are good, that are going to play well. But the year after, I, I, I don't I really think Michigan is going to be a powerhouse team. But this year, I, I it makes sense in my eyes why they took a little bit of a fall on that poll. Mm hmm. I mean, the national champions drop four spots. You know, it, yeah. teams teams lose players. And, again, I mean, really, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter where the preseason starts. Um, it's just a you know preseason ranking, and that's exactly what it is. Right. Nobody's played, you know, Alabama, though they're number one, and though they're probably going to be playing in the playoff, though they're probably going to get at least 10, 11 wins this season, we haven't seen them play as this team. We saw them last year. We've seen them the past 10 years under Saban. Exactly. But we haven't seen this exact, you know, 2017, 2018 team yet, and that's why, you know, we, exactly. we, you know, we, we just we know what to expect from Alabama. We know what to expect from Alabama, but so there's a lot of new names on that roster in that lineup. So we we still have to raise the question as to if they're going to perform how we expect them to. And yeah, so a guy that knows a lot about the preseason rankings, not meaning much, is Mr. Dan Wolken, head college football writer for the USA Today. And, yeah, we got to sit down with him for an interview, and great guy, great interview, and, yeah, enjoy. And we are back. It's McLean Baxley here with Dan Wolken, um, sports college football writer for USA Today. How are you doing today, Mr. Wolken? I'm all right. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. So, Big thing, you know, college football is coming up, and this past couple weeks, the preseason rankings and polls have been released. You know, the AP poll, the coaches poll, CBS Sports does one. And at a lot of them, USC is towards the top. You know, last season they won the Rose Bowl, finished 10 and 3, had a, you know, huge breakout season for Sam Dar- Darnold, and they're now the number four team in the nation. Is this something we, because every year it seems like USC is, highly favored in the preseason, but then drop down as the season goes on. But is this team different for some reason? Are you talking about USC? Yes. Um, well, I mean, I, it, it's hard to know. They've got a great quarterback. Uh, this is the first time in a few years they've really been 
highly ranked in the preseason. They're still kind of emerging from the the Steve Sarkeesian uh, debacle. And, mm. you know, I think last year they people wrote them off after the first uh, few weeks of the season, and, and rightly so, but, but they uh, they got got their act together. It's a, it's a different team now because you don't have, uh, you know, Dory Jackson and, uh, you know, Juju Smith. Schuster. I mean, there, there's there's some significant personnel changes, and I think maybe some people are underrating that a little bit. But uh, Donald's an excellent quarterback. He left a unbelievably high impression uh, in that Rose Bowl game, and and so we'll see how they respond. You just never know when when you kind of come from being under the radar a little bit mm-hmm. to uh, a full summer of of hype. And uh, that's that's a big challenge that they're going to have to have to get over, and they're going to have to get out of the gates hot. Definitely, I mean, especially last year where you had a Washington team that was super awesome. You know, went to the playoff, and several other, you know, USC was the other big Pac-12 team. Colorado as well. Do you see USC being a team that you know will win the Pac-12 and be in the conversation at the end of the season for the playoff? Well, with all these teams, you know, I sort of like to see them play first. Um, but mm-hmm. Washington is is definitely going to be back in the mix uh, in the North. You know, I think USC is, is the clear favorite in the South mm-hmm. this year. Um, I think Oregon will have something to say about the outcome in the North. I think Stanford is poised to have an excellent year. They, they kind of took themselves out of it early. Uh, but I, I like what they've got coming back. and. You know, you look year after year, they, they're pretty consistent with how they perform, and, and they get Washington at home this season. So I wouldn't discount Stanford in the preseason either. Yeah. It's, it's wide open, I think, for the Pac-12. You know, other than, you know, like you said, Washington, USC are definitely the favorites in their respective divisions. But I think the Pac-12 is just going to be another good conference with a lot of teams fighting for it. Last season, the ACC was, like, the conference – in college football, you know, they had the Heisman Trophy winner, had the best bowl record, had, you know, the national champion in Clemson. And a lot of people this season are liking the Big Ten. Um, and some say the SEC is going to have another great season this year. In your opinion, um, what conference steps up to be the conference that a lot of people are going to watch this season? Well, look, I mean, the SEC still has the best players top to bottom. Uh, there are a lot of good teams in the SEC. The problem that they run into the last year or two is that the gap between Alabama and everybody else has, has gotten to be bigger, not smaller. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's a problem for the SEC. And someone's going to have to figure out how to step up and, and compete with Alabama. Uh, the other leagues, whether you're talking about the uh, Big Ten or the ACC, are, are much more top heavy, yeah. And and the gap between you know number uh, you know number three and number six or seven is is a lot wider than it is in the SEC. The SEC, you you kind of have you know one team at the top, and then you've got a bunch of teams trying to figure it out. Uh, you know the ACC has basically been dominated by Clemson, Florida State, and I think that'll continue this year. I think the rest of the league has improved a little bit. Uh, Louisville, NC State, 
Miami's getting their act together. Virginia Tech was good last season. So there are some, there's a little more depth in the ACC than there's been. In the Big Ten, I think you've got four teams at the top who are all pretty good. Uh, and mm-hmm. then the rest of the league is just not good. So um, it'll be interesting to see. How do you measure leagues? Is it one through 14? Is it is it you know the number of national championship contenders? Is it you know, I, I don't really know how you go from league to league and, and measure the strength, but there's no question that, that week to week, the SEC still is the conference that produces the, the best matchups, the best games, and the best players. It does seem, though, that Alabama is just at a huge pinnacle, um, both in the SEC and at you know, the rest of the nation. It just seems like every year they're continuously on the, the top. of the. How does a team – like in Auburn, like in, you know, maybe Georgia, Florida, how do they get over that hump and compete with Alabama for more than the first half? Well, it's not been easy. Uh, and a lot of those teams, you know, when you look at the years where Alabama has not won, uh, has not won the SEC, I think the key is that other schools have had better quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what you have to get. And, and we've seen the last couple of years in the SEC, and I don't think this is a coincidence, that the quarterback play overall has not been very good across the league. And, and thus, it's, it's been easier for Alabama to dominate. And I think those two things are directly related because um, they're always going to have a quality defense at Alabama. And, you know, sometimes their offense is, is really good and sometimes it's just okay. But you need to score points to, to compete with them. And so, you know, the, the elite quarterbacks, that's, that's where you can beat Alabama. If you don't have an elite quarterback, you're probably not. And, you know, I think the quarterback play across the league is getting better, will, will be better in time the next couple of years. But uh, the last two, it's been bad. And, and I think that's really what it takes is you need a great quarterback. So you would not consider Jacob Easton out of Georgia a league quarterback? Well, no, he hasn't proved yet that he is. Yeah. Uh, he, he is certainly a very talented player, and his uh, skill set, his physical attributes, where he was rated out of out of high school, uh, you, you know, you look at all those things, and and you think that he should be the complete package. Um, however. The quarterback position, when you get on the field, is more complicated than that, and you have to uh, you have to have the mental side of the game. You have to have the feel. You have to be able to handle the rush. You, there's so many different things. And, and Eason, uh, his first year was okay. I think he was probably not quite as good as a lot of people hoped he would be. Mm-hmm. And he's got to get better uh, to to be one of those guys. And so. Uh, the, the jump you're supposed to make between year one and year two, we'll see if he does. And that's really all you can do. I know. I mean, I'm from Georgia. We're, um, we're all from Georgia. Uh, so we're not Georgia fans by any means. And so seeing him last year not live up to expectations, like you said, w- was exciting, I think. But also I've got you know some friends that go to UGA. It was definitely disappointing. And you know with a new freshman quarterback coming in to kind of rival him, um, kind of make him – play better both in practice and on the field. I think it's going to be an interesting thing for the Bulldogs this season and uh, in the SEC East as a whole. 
Yeah, I, I thought that throughout the spring and the summer, uh, the the Georgia coaching staff was was fairly deliberate in the language that they used whenever they were asked about the quarterback position. Uh, even though I think everyone understood that that Eason was was most likely to be the starter this mm-hmm. year, uh, that that you know you don't want to just give it to him, and and you want Jacob Fromm to to create a little competition and and to um, you know not not just uh, just have Eason feel like he can coast. Um, you know I think they 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 want him to 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 work hard on on getting better and to refine his game and. Uh, that you know, if it takes a little push from a, a younger player, then uh, I don't think they're afraid to play those sort of mind games. It's kind of similar to what Davis Weenie and the staff at Clemson are doing. Um, you know, they lost to Sean, and they got a couple guys, you know, Kelly Bryant and a couple other guys that are all fighting for that. Kelly Bryant, as the experienced backup, now having to fit into his role as a starter, having the they don't like like just like Kirby Smart and the guys at Georgia, they don't want to come out and just give it to him, like you said, um, make him earn it, which I, I mean, it makes everybody better, um, both on the field and off the field, in my opinion. So talking about well, coaching. Or... Well, I was just going to say, I think Clemson has, has been a, a bit more of an open process. I mean, I, I think they really have been uh, trying to figure out who, who gives them the best chance to win because none of those guys have played. And so mm-hmm. – uh, it looks like Kelly Bryant is probably going to be the starter. Um, that seems to be where it's trending, but uh, we'll just have to see. Uh, you know, I, I think that they've got they've got talent there and they've got talent coming in, uh, but I, I, I don't think that they're I don't think that they're playing games. I think they they really wanted to make it open and, and give the job to the to the guy who who performed best in camp. And, and they and they whoever gets it this year knows. They've got they've got the number one player in the nation come in next year in Trevor Lawrence out of Cartersville, and so that'll just be a whole new competition, a new, whole new aspect to the quarterback battle. Yeah, no, they, they've they've done a pretty unbelievable job in terms of um, you know compiling talent at that position, and this may be a bit of a bridge year for them uh, at the quarterback position, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I'd say they're pretty pretty darn well stacked for the future. So it's a pretty good problem to have where you've got two or three, you know, five-star quarterbacks coming in fighting for a job. It's, it's, it, there's definitely worse positions you could be in if you're the Tigers. Oh, yeah. No, they, they've, they've done a great job with that roster and uh, bringing in talent year after year, no question. So let's go ahead and talk about coaches. Um, I read your article on your city today about Bob Stoops stepping away. I love the article. And especially like the line he said where you say, he wants to live it on his terms, not begging 17-year-olds to come to his campus or fighting with media members over how he lost a game. Love that. Because <laughs> it's so true. Him stepping, uh, Bob Stoops stepping away from Oklahoma after countless years, you know, a couple championships, you know, just a great career um, as a head coach of the Sooners, him stepping away. So do you see this style of stepping down on the coach's terms, not his health, or not a scandal that's about to break, being a new trend in the upcoming years, or is it just something, or is it just because, you know, everything seemed right for Stoops at this time? Well, I think that uh, there's been a lot of changes through the whole coaching profession, and, and the money has gotten a lot bigger, and also mm-hmm. schools are hiring younger. And so more guys in their 30s are getting 
high-level head coaching jobs. And what's different now than, you know, even just 10 years ago or especially 20 years ago is that if you get a Power 5 head coaching job at any Power 5 school, mm-hmm. uh, you get a five-year contract and you're, you're going to earn somewhere around $15 million. Um, yeah. That's, that's life-changing money. One, one contract <laughs> the Power 5 head coach should set you up for life. And so I I think that that guys who maybe are are in the business, and it's a tough business, it's a grinding business, it's all-consuming, it's stressful, it eats away at your time, it's 24 hours a day, it's dealing with off-field issues, dealing with academics, dealing with NCAA rules. I think for for all these guys, um, when, when when you get to a certain point in life and you've made all the money you can make really that you, you could, you could ever spend in a couple lifetimes and you have, have won enough uh, to satisfy your career goals. Um, you know, and, and you want to go do something else. I think, I think more coaches will do, will do that. You know, how many, and I, you know, I don't know, but I, I do think that, that fewer coaches will be afraid to just sort of step away um, well, they've still got a lot of good years left to live. It seems like there's less risk now because of the you know huge contracts that are being signed. Um, there's not a you know if you step down, there's not you know what's going to happen when I retire or you know go do something else in my life. Um, so you have money in the bank for sure. Yeah, um, you know it's a nice thing. I think everybody wishes that. Uh, you know, 15 or 20 years before typical retirement age, we could all have enough money that uh, we could basically do whatever we wanted every day <laughs> See the world. of our lives. That, that'd be pretty nice. It, it definitely would be nice. And I think a couple of these guys, we've seen a couple, you know, top-tier coaches take head coaching jobs at new programs. You know, Tom Herman at Texas, Charlie Strong at USF, Coach O finally getting offered the head coaching job at LSU. Which of these programs with the new commander-in-chief you know, do you see having the best, the most success this upcoming season? Um, I, I would say probably Ed Orgeron at, at LSU. I, I just sort of from a from a roster perspective, um, you know, they're they're pretty well set up, uh, and and he's been through this before. You know, if he's if he's a better head coach the second time around, and he says he is then there's really no excuse for LSU not to be a big factor. He's got very good assistant coaches. Um, they're, they're, you know, that, that was the problem with, with Les Miles and why he was fired, because the school felt like they were ready to win and they didn't win. Yeah. And it's diff- it's diff- like going back to SEC, it's difficult being in one of the toughest divisions, you know, with them, Auburn consistently being good, Alabama, of course, being consistently good, and LSU the past couple of years, while they still – in the you know an eight win season or nine win season isn't terrible, but to LSU standards and the SEC West standards, it it's not good. And I I I I, I agree with you. I think Coach O you know will be a guy, you know, especially because last year he pretty much had most of the season at you know as the head coach, um, the standing head coach. But now having a full off season with the staff, full off season with the guys, it, it should be a good season for the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, the, just the quarterback position is, is the real question, and, and that's that's been the issue the last few years. And I still don't have a ton of confidence in uh, Danny Etling, but, you know, his second year as a starter, maybe he will uh, 
maybe he will improve enough that they can make that offense functional, especially in that uh, Matt Canada system. Mm-hmm. Do you, how do you how do you think you know Herman and Strong will do their um, respective schools? You know, at USF, obviously not as big a picture, but with Quentin Flowers at quarterback, they've got to be a favorite for a you know group of five for the New Year's Six slot. I mean, would you agree? Well, they're definitely going into the season uh, the favorite to win their division. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, have picked them to, to win that league, but you know, we'll just have to see how it works out. Uh, you know, a lot of things can happen over the course of the season. And, you know, some teams are, are, are better than people think. Some teams are worse. There's injuries. There's luck. You know, ball games come down to a handful of plays. Uh, so, you know, I, I just don't ever focus too much on, on preseason uh, predictions. It's just not really my thing. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. get into that. But, you know, part of the fun of, of covering sports is that you just don't know what's going to happen. And if, if you did, you know, we'd all be bored with it. So uh, there, there will be plenty of surprises, but uh, you know, that offense in South Florida is, is probably should be pretty potent. Uh, Charlie Strong comes in and, you know, that that's a, that's an experienced roster that's built to win now. And, and so, you know, you better win now. I, think, I mean, I, I really, I just remember watching the USF versus South Carolina bowl game last year where Quentin Flowers, that second half just went off on the Gamecocks, and it was just really cool to see. Excellent player, dynamic passer, runner, uh, was a great fit in that system. And, you know, he's, he's the biggest reason that Willie Taggart is, uh, is now at uh, Oregon. Definitely is. Well, um, I think that's all we have time for today, Mr. Wilkin. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Be sure to check him out on USA Today. Several awesome, great um, in-depth articles on the website and thank you for your time you got it thanks now back to me and again that was mr dan wolken be sure to follow him on twitter we all do dan wolken and thank you again mr wolken for coming on and yeah that's that's gonna be our show for this week and be sure to keep following us on twitter and instagram a lot of new stuff coming we've been saying that for a while but it's actually coming now and very excited to show it all with you and yeah this has been mclean baxley cole ferguson olden gladys Have a great week.